Petitioning and requesting of God is a natural thing. That's why so many people pray, because it's just natural. When life stresses come, when you really desire something, when you really want to be delivered or you want to be healed, it's natural. Even if you're not a Bible reader, even if you're not a Christ follower, it's still natural to look up and say, if anybody's up there, help me today. That's natural. But what I want to talk about today is not so natural for any of us, and that is pursuing the mind of God, asking God how he thinks and feels. Inquiring of the Lord is not natural. It requires a decision. But the reality is it's the basis, it's the basis of connecting with the reality of God. Seeking God and not just requesting of God moves me from fantasy to certainty where God is concerned, from, from good luck charm to relationship. We're, we're just singing these songs. Doesn't it feel good to sing songs to God about how much you love him? It feels right, doesn't it? It feels true when you sing to God of how much you love him and you can just feel that. But if you step away from singing a song like that and you never inquire of his heart and his feelings, that's not a love relationship. It wouldn't be a love relationship with you if I had a love relationship with you and I never asked you what you thought about anything or how you felt or I never wanted to listen to your feelings or I never wanted to observe them. I never wanted to adjust my schedule because of how it made you feel. Or if I never wanted to adjust what I did because of how it made you feel. If you, if you, if you comment to me, you know, you know, your breath is bothering me and I just don't care, you know. <laughs> or or your, your, your teeth are full of food and, and it's grossing me out, you know. And I just, well, I don't care. I, I just don't care. What would you think of me? What would you think of a relationship with me? You'd think he doesn't care about how his behavior makes me feel. He doesn't care. Well, this moves God. It's, it's not, it moves God from being, being Santa to being deity. <laughs> you know, you don't sit on Santa Claus' lap when you're a kid and go, Santa, I just want to know what you want me to have. <laughs> I want to know what your plan for the world. <laughs> Seeking God legitimizes God. You can make requests of God and maybe you're not even sure he's up there. And I'm not preaching against, not, I'm not going to preach against requesting things of God. Listen, I, I give God a piece of my mind a lot. God knows what I want <laughs> in every area of life, believe me. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That's for starters, but notice the expression of believing he exists. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Not earnestly petition him, but earnestly seek him. I want to tell you today that the inquiring life is a life of holy curiosity about what God knows, what God thinks, what God feels, and what God plans. Prayer is less twisting God's arm to get him to do what you want him to do and more discerning what he intends to do. 
Did you catch that? Prayer is less about twisting God's arm to get him to do what you want him to do and more about discerning what he intends to do. I want to, I want to uh, talk to you about one of my favorite characters in the Bible and a champion inquirer who lived an inquiring life. One of our heroes of the faith, David. You might refer to him as King David or Psalmist David. David had this chapter in his life. It was a very difficult chapter of his life. It came after a very good chapter of his life. That's the way life often works. David goes down to, to Israel to check on his brothers. First Samuel chapter 17. The giant, 11 foot giant, giant Goliath is cursing the armies of Israel. David takes a sling and five stones. He uses, only needs one stone, strikes Goliath in the head, cuts his head off, victory. All of Israel is, the reproach is removed from Israel. David is the champion. Some of the women in the community, women's choir, begin to sing, Saul has killed, killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. Saul got wind of that, he heard that, and he got jealous. He was the king. And he began to chase David, began to pursue David, began to try to take his life even though David served him faithfully and humbly, would go and play the harp for him to calm down the demonic spirits. It wasn't enough. So there came a day when he had to, when he had to run for his life, and he runs to a place called Nob, and there he intersects with a priest named Ahimelech, and there he inquires of the Lord. And then he runs to Moab, and then he runs to a cave in Adullam, Adullam I think it was pronounced. He runs to Adullam after being in Moab, because he got afraid of King Achish in Moab, that he was going to uh, hurt him and he was going to turn him in. And then he ends up in the forest of Hereth in Judah with 400 guys. 400 guys went and joined him. Now, he had friends, but sometimes, sometimes, it, sometimes uh, our, our, our friends, uh, you have to qualify that, right? You say, I have friends. You know what the Bible says about those 400 men? The Bible says they were in debt and distressed, and discontented. Does that sound like your friends? <laughs> yeah, sounds like your family, right? <laughs> in debt, distressed, discontented. So here's David in the forest of Kareth in, in, in Judah, running for his life with 400 guys who have their credit cards maxed out. <laughs> and who are in a bad mood. That's his, that's his men. That's his friends. That, that, that's what the, the amazing thing. These, are later, these will later be known as David's mighty men. So don't get discouraged with your family, okay? <laughs> don't get discouraged with your friends. And here's this, all of a sudden, we're going to read about it right now. David found out that the, the Philistines, the arch enemies of Israel, were attacking some of the brethren in Keilah, and he had a decision to make. Running for his life, it wasn't a good idea for him to become visible. It wasn't an idea for him to do something that everybody would know where he was. So he goes in verse 1, chapter 23, when David was told, look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are looting the fresh threshing floors, 
he inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? The Lord answered him, Go attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, In Judah we are afraid. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the Philistine forces? But David had inquired of the Lord, right? Once again, David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him, Go down to Keilah. And I'm reading that fast, but don't, let, don't miss the emphasis. Once again, David inquired of the Lord. The Lord answered, go down to Keilah, for I'm going to give the Philistines into your hands. So David and his men went to Keilah, fought the Philistines, and carried off their livestock. He inflicted heavy losses on the Philistines and saved the people of Keilah. Now, why does God love it so much when we live an inquiring life? I'll tell you why. An inquiring life is admitting, I don't know what to do. God loves it when I don't know what to do. God loves it when you don't know what to do. God loves it when we don't have the answers. He inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack? He didn't ask the men what they thought. He didn't even ask himself what he thought. He said, shall I go and attack? The Lord answered, go attack the Philistines and save Keilah. What signal did David send to his men who were looking on that day? Simple. Our leader doesn't know what to do. Our leader doesn't know the answers. He doesn't know the right decision. What, David, what made David great was his willingness to embrace uncertainty. His willingness to embrace uncertainty. How many of you out there this morning have the opportunity to embrace uncertainty somewhere in your life? Heroes of the faith always found their turning point at what we call wit's end. Anybody out there at your wit's end today about something? Right? Scotty's with me. <laughs> Psalms 107, 27, 28. I just got to throw this verse. This is one of my favorite all-time verses. It's about guys out at sea, guys out at sea who aren't thinking about God and they reeled and staggered like drunken men in a storm he's talking about. They were at their wit's end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he brought them out of their distress. Going to wit's end is a faith pattern. It's a pattern of faith. If you're at wit's end, embrace the uncertainty. Embrace the confusion. Embrace the I don't know what to do feeling. Embrace it. Love it. Hold on to it. Use it as an opportunity to become an inquirer of the Lord. Abraham and Sarah, promise of a child, was after they got to wit's end. After they were barren, God came through. The victory, the resurrection, after the Jesus' death on the cross. The resurrection came after the cross. The certainty came after the uncertainty. The victory came after the defeat. That's the way it is in God's kingdom. That's why we never give up, because victory always comes after defeat. Hope always comes after hopelessness. Certainty always comes after uncertainty. Faith always comes after doubt. The day of Pentecost came on a devoted few. 120 people. Jesus appeared to 500. 120 made it to a place. He said, go there and you wait till you receive power from one eye. This is after Jesus died and rose from the dead. 
120 people came. Those devoted people were clueless as to how they were going to go on without Jesus. They didn't know what they were going to do. They were the outsiders of the culture. They had no plan. They had no way. They were afraid. Their their savior and their leader had been publicly crucified. Their, their, Their religion startup wasn't going very well. I mean, 500, 500 saw him go away. Only 120 were, 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 were daring enough to go to the upper room. Now, I believe if I saw a Savior rise into the clouds, I believe that I would be persuaded to do whatever he told me to do. But that's how difficult the times were. Some of those people, 380 of those people could not embrace uncertainty. They could not embrace uncertainty. They could not revel in a, in a period of doubt. They couldn't, they couldn't go without all the answers. And Jesus just said, go to the upper room till you be endued with power. He didn't say, here's how you're going to build a kingdom. Here's a strategy for creating a political movement that's going to rock the world. Here's a strategy that if you will do it, uh, if you will do it uh, a, a few hundred years from now, there will be millions of you covering the planet. There will be churches all over the country every Sunday morning, all over the world, hundreds and thousands and millions of people will be worshiping Jesus if you will do it. Here's a strategy to make it happen. No, Jesus said, just go do what I told you. Just go to the upper room. And they went to the upper room. And the words that came out of their mouth when the Holy Spirit came, you can read it in Acts chapter 2 if you want to follow up. You want to fact check me. That's the words today. You want to fact check me. Go to Acts chapter 2. The words that came out of their mouth on the day of Pentecost, they spoke as the Spirit gave utterance. The words that came out of their mouth were proceeding from the heart of God. And God does powerful things when the words that come out of my mouth come out of his heart. When I pray things that are coming out of his heart, when I pray things that are coming out of his desires, when I, when I, when I, when I mouth things, when things come out of my, my, my mouth that, are, that were his ideas, God gets real excited when you pray his ideas. When you pray his desires, when you pray his plans, when you pray what he is saying, we, we don't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. See, the inquiring life acknowledges God has desires, feelings, opinions, and ambitions. David gets a message. The Philistines are attacking his fellow Israelites in Keilah. Now, David had his hands full with his own problems. His men were already distressed. Part of the reason they hooked up with David, there's no question, they were being opportunists. Because they, they weren't being offered a job anywhere else. And their resumes were all coming back. They weren't getting any other job interviews. This, this was it. This was their only hope. And they thought, they thought there's a chance that this outsider candidate, they thought there was a chance that this, that this guy who wasn't born in the royal family, they thought there was a chance because what he, what he did at, uh, at killing Goliath and what he did in delivering Israel, they thought there's a chance this guy, there's just an outside chance that he might succeed. And it's the last hope we have of hooking ourselves to any star in the planet. 
It's the last hope we have of hooking ourselves to any, hitching our lives to any star on the planet. This is the last chance we have. And just maybe this might work out. If it doesn't, we're dead. And so staying hidden in the forest while the, everything calms down and they get an opportunity to kill Saul, that was their only hope. And David hears from God. And God says, I want, really, think, of, think about it. I don't, I don't know what the noise is coming from. I'm not doing this. What, what was that moment really about, guys? What was that moment really about? Here's a bunch of guys who, A, they wanted to live, and B, they wanted to succeed. And that was what was on their heart. But what was always on God's heart? What was on God's heart? I'll help you out. I'll help you pass the test. What was on God's heart was his people. The nation of Israel was on God's heart. When I'm having problems that I am asking God to help me with, God has this bad habit. He has this annoying habit of informing me of something that he's concerned about. <laughs> have you noticed that? When I'm just trying to take care of paying my bills, and I'm just trying to take care of raising my children, and I'm just trying to take care of holding my marriage together. And I'm just trying to take care of, of doing, taking care of me. And I'm praying God and I'm petitioning God. Like the Bible says, ask whatever you will, it shall be done. I know all the verses. I know all the verses to make sure I get what I need and to get what my heart's desire is. God always wants to tell me about his heart's desire. God always says, I, okay, I got something I want you to help me with. I got something down at the church. I want you to do. I, I got some person that I want you to go visit. Man, I, I, I've walked out of my own problems that are just overwhelming me to run to the hospital to deal with somebody else's problems. You're getting ahead of me. <laughs> David's men were going, what? What? You're going to take us? You're going to take us to Kilo where... We're going to fight this big battle, bloody battle, and everybody's going to, we're going to be outed. Everybody's going to know where we are. It's quite upsetting sometimes to find that God has concerns that are more pressing than mine. <laughs> it might surprise some of us to learn that God is burdened about something and he wants help, our help. It might shock us to learn that God has a heavy heart about something unrelated to my comfort or my agenda. Here's the deal, guys. And this is one of the great secrets of great prayer and powerful prayer. Our destiny is intertwined with God's. Our joy is intertwined with God's. The joy of the Lord is our strength. When God's happy, it makes us strong. God is a God of passion. He, he's, our God is a consuming fire. He's filled with passion. He's filled with plans. He's not a vending machine that responds to a small monetary investment. But a living being looking for partners and ready to have a conversation. It might also interest you to know that God is not only interested in answering prayer, 
He's also interested in guiding your life. He's not just interested in being your EMT. He's interested in being your CEO. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, so when you pray, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name always be kept holy. What, what, is, what is that saying? It's saying, God, I care about your reputation. God, I care about your reputation. May your name be kept holy. I care about what the people in Worcester County, Melford Menden, I care what they think about you. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. I want your rule to be established in all the neighborhoods of this earth, in all the people's lives of this earth. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's quite interesting. I know I mentioned it before in another sermon in the series that that comes before we pray, give us this day our daily bread. He knew when he's teaching his disciples to pray that that's the prayer we would, that's how we would start out the prayer. God wants, Jesus wanted to teach his disciples how to be successful. He wanted to teach them how to have a relationship with the Father. He wanted to teach them how to have a great life. He wanted to teach them in the, in ultimately how to have more of what they desired. Because your desires are intertwined with God's. It's like, it's, it's like getting married. Your desires now have to be intertwined with the person you're married to or you're not going to have a very happy life. See, the inquiring life means that I trust God with my personal care. I put that in God's hands. In fact, it's really, really interesting. If you go over to 1 Samuel 23, verse 10 through 13, if you go over to those verses, David, they get down to Keilah, and of course they won the battle. And they just, just beat the socks off of the Philistines. And... Uh, just won the battle, hands down. And so the battle's over. Now David looks around and he says to God, he said, okay, he says to God, he says, God, are the Philistines, you got to go read this because it just is so fascinating the way, the way God communicates here with David. He says, God, uh, is Saul going to come after me? And he said a lot of other words, blah, 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 blah. And God says, he will. <laughs> See, David, because he was an inquirer of the Lord, it kept him sharp. He was ready. F faith is not just some passive, oh, I put it in God's hands. That's, that's why some of you get hurt in life, because you, you go do the right thing, but then you have this passive kind of faith. I just put it in God's hands. No, David didn't just put it in God's hands. He said, God, you're the one with all knowledge, all wisdom. You're the one who loves me. I love you. You love me. You, you, you and I are partners in this matter of success and survival. We're partners. God, is Saul coming after me? He will. And then he goes, well, is the, is the king of this region, I forget his name, I have to go and look at it, but he says, is he going to 
turn me in? Is he going to betray me? God says he will. <laughs> See, it's good to keep inquiring of the Lord because God will help you to stay sharp. And so David took his men. They escaped. Saul didn't even bother to go because he heard they weren't there. Do you get my point? David took care of what was on God's heart, and God took care of David. God took care of David's needs. David took care of God's needs. God took care of what David desired and David's men desired. It's like Elisha and the widow's oil. You know that story? That's a great story in the Bible. Some of you don't know it because you haven't read the Bible much. That's okay. But uh, some of us who've been around church for 50, 60 years, <laughs> we know this story. There's this cool little story in the Old Testament about this wood. There's a prophet named Elisha. And Elisha, there's a famine in the land. And he goes down to Zarephath, a place called Zarephath. And he goes to this widow's house. Isn't that just like a preacher who will go, you know, go to some poor person's house to ask for money? You know, <laughs> he, was, he was like a televangelist or something. I mean, he goes down to the widow Zerpath's house and uh, she's got enough meal and enough oil to make one last cake and then she and her son are going to die. It sounds like a plan, huh? And the prophet walks in, the prophet Elisha walks in, knocks on the door and maybe, I, I suppose they knew each other or something. He was real well known in the land, a real important person. And of all the places he could have gone, he went to someone who was, again, in distress. Someone whose life was filled with uncertainty, except maybe the certainty they were going to die. And he goes and he says, uh, I want you to make me a cake. And uh, would you please? And she said, well, actually, I only have enough for me and my son, and then we're going to die. He said, well, make one for me first. <laughs> You all know what happened. Even if you don't read the Bible, you know what happened. Her barrel of oil never ran dry. And her mill barrel was never empty. Because when you take care of what's on the heart of God, God will take care of what's on your heart. When you take care of the amazing, deep, many needs of the kingdom of God, God will take care of the needs of your personal life. When we take care of God's business, he takes care of ours. That's what we mean by the power and the reward of the inquiring life. I could, I could if it wouldn't be too personal, I could, I could talk about people that have come through our lives in the last 29 years here who put the kingdom of God first and some who just wouldn't. And I'm telling you, God is faithful. God is faithful to the people who put him first. Matthew 6.30, you know it. Many of you know the scripture. If God gives much attention to the appearance of the wildflowers, most of which are never, ever seen, never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you? Take pride in you. Do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. To not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. 
People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Now, let me ask you this morning. What of God's business are you being called to take care of? What of God's agenda are you being called to live out? Have you been unable to stop being so self-absorbed with your thoughts, feelings, plans, and problems that you can't hear God's thoughts? God's feelings, God's plans. If, it, if I can say it this way, God's problems. Today, the revelation could come that not only might inquiring of God's passions be the way to get your own needs met, but also the way to get to an adventure and a victory somewhere, somehow, that you might even forget the things that you wanted, and you might even forget your problems because you're going to get caught up in such an exciting adventure that God is going to give you because you're going to be partnering with the creator of the universe. You're going to be partnered with the King of kings and Lord of lords to bring about the kingdom of God on the earth. God doesn't have disposable people. Go ahead, take care of him, and he'll take care of you. I want our prayer partners to come right now. I am certain about one thing, that there are many of you in this room who are living in uncertainty. I'm positive about that. God is waiting for you to ask him what he thinks, how he feels. God is waiting for you to inquire of him how to do your business, how to raise your children, how to make the uh, uh, God is waiting for you, for you to ask him about your moral decisions and what the right ones are and what the dangerous ones are. God is waiting for you to inquire of him. He's written a whole book full of instructions and he will direct you to those instructions or he will direct you to another saint of God, another wise person who will be his voice or he might even speak directly to your heart. That's what the culture is missing right now. Today, as I finish this message, we're, we're living in a very tumultuous time in America. But what if people from all perspectives, what if people that are very on the very conservative side of things, people on the very liberal, the progressive left, what if we all came together and inquired of the Lord? What if we all came together and said, God, I'm going to lay aside my political agenda the one that I've been harping on, the one that I've been believing in. I'm going to lay, whether it's right or left or in the middle, I'm going to lay it aside and I'm, I'm going to ask, we're going to ask you because we believe you only have one will. You don't have two wills. You only have one will. You only have one way. You only have one thought about what should be done. You only have one plan. And God, I want to transcend political, uh, political identities today. I want to transcend all of the identities 
that people are marrying today and they're, and, and they're willing to go overboard and they're willing to, they're willing to go over the cliff for their, the, whatever identity they have identified with. I believe it's time. I, mean, I believe there are going to be some people. I believe there are going to be some people in this room who are going to join me in adopting a God identity. I said, I believe there are going to be some people in this room who are ready to adopt a God identity. It's whatever God wants. It's whatever His will. His will be done in heaven and earth. Not a political party, but what is His will? It's, it's, I'm very excited about it. I'm really excited. So some of you, I want you to come forward and be prayed for about your area of uncertainty. Right now, as we, well, I'm going to say a quick prayer, then I want you to come. Father, in the name of Jesus. I call your people to seek your face. I call your people to inquire of you because you will not let us down. You said that if we like wisdom, ask of you and you will give it and you will not make us feel guilty. So we're counting on that promise in the name of Jesus. Would you come and be a part of this? There's communion for you. If you don't have a specific thing you want to pray about, you just want to commune with God in your own way. This is response time at Bethany. Please join us. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you, and God bless.